Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. This episode is brought to you by Pantheon. With years of experience in website management, Pantheon knows one thing for certain. Sites launched on its web ops platform that are built and supported by agencies find more success. It's why Pantheon has invested in building a product and partner program that serve agencies first. It's a win-win-win for Pantheon, its agency partners, and their clients. Today, over 2,500 agencies partner with Pantheon to provide exceptional digital experiences for their clients. Learn more at pantheon.io slash adweek. That's pantheon.io slash adweek. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek podcast where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. We've got a packed house today to talk about Adweek's uh, Creative 100, our annual list of 100 of the most creative people, mostly in America, but also somewhere, you know, some we squeeze in some from around the world. Uh, we cover folks from the agency world, from the brands, from uh, celebrities and influencers, uh, lots of folks. And with us, uh, as she is always, is Kamiko McCoy, social editor for Adweek. Kamiko, welcome back. Hello, always happy to be here. We've also got back Sarah Jurdy, who wrote this week's cover story uh, for the Creative 100 and a bunch of other pieces of this week's content. Sarah, thanks so much for making time for us. Thanks for having me. And we got back Doug Zanger, an editor with me on the Creative Beat and on covering agencies here at Adweek. Doug, welcome back. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're all in one city. This is incredibly rare. Uh, so it's nice to have everybody in one room. Uh, we're going to uh, – we got we got 100 folks to talk about. So we're, we're going to be here seven or eight hours. Um, so let's uh, – let's, no, we'll, we'll be a little selective. But let's get to it. Sarah, it's a big deal to be on the cover of the Creative 100. I should I – should, uh, both for you as a writer, but also for the people who get featured on there. So let's see, on the, on the cover we've had in the past, uh, Camille Nanjani, uh, Mindy Kaling, uh, last year was Ava DuVernay. Uh, you know, so it's a big deal. Who, Sarah, is on the cover this year? Jesus and Mero. 
That's right. And man, the staff is so excited about this. Yeah. Uh, I think many of us were very excited to have this. Uh, but they're not, in, in the vein of my favorite uh, kind of folks to feature on this list, they're not household names necessarily yet, but among, like, they if, if people know them, they know them and are passionate about mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is, is the best combo. Uh, but remind us kind of big picture – but it, it, you know, instead of just telling us who they are now, tell us about their career path, like how they got to where they are, because that to me is the most fascinating part. Yeah, they have a really cool story. Um, so they actually both grew up in the Bronx, didn't go to the same high school, but ended up in the same summer school. Um, and that's when they first met each other. And they weren't close then, um, but knew of each other and had similar friends. And then fast forward about six years, they're working in just normal jobs. One is a, is a business reporter. The other is working in a school. And they're both sort of riffing on how, how much they hate their jobs online on Twitter. Um, people start noticing. Everyone's cracking up. And then people on Twitter are starting to notice the commonalities. These two guys are both hilarious. They're both from the Bronx, and they start interacting with one another online. Um, That got the attention of Complex, which came to them and said, hey, you guys are hilarious. Let's get you on a podcast. So they launched um, their first iteration of that, Jesus versus Marrow, and then they turned, Complex turned that into a web series. And that was kind of the launching point of it all. From there, they went to MTV, and then they got a show on Viceland, and now they have a show that's on two nights a week for the summer over at Showtime. Oh, 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 I have a question. Business yeah. reporter? Yeah. Yeah. Where? Yeah. Uh, it's a small publication based in New York. Um, I didn't include this in the story, but uh, he was covering, like, you know, retail and really, really yeah, really That's wild. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, great, there's a great quote in Sarah's uh, interview with them where he says uh, – He's just like, I keep fearing that I'm going to wake up and my boss is going to be calling saying you have a <laughs> you have a business feature due. Right. Like like all this has just been one big dream because it, it is – I've never heard of anything like this. Like it, it's like the story that you used to hear about models being found, like supermodels being found walking through the mall. And so it's like you should be a model. And then, I mean but like imagine complaining about your job on the internet. And making right. a whole new job. And someone like, like, oh man, I'd love to pay you. Do <laughs> right. you hate your job? Let me give you money to say that in public. <laughs> and there's no way that this kind of story could have happened even 10 years ago. I mean, there yeah, was no platform point. and there was no opportunity to make a name for yourself online and get a following and then translate that to a late night show is, is crazy. On Showtime, the less. Yeah, right. Well, I think what's nice too is that it's it's breaking up the late show. It's like the the late show has just had a very predictable pattern for a mm-hmm. very long time, and it's just nice to be able to break that pattern up. Yeah, and it's just something so completely different, and it it is. It's just it's really refreshing. It's really it's just cool to see. I almost think that this is maybe probably what we need because there was a lot of other late night shows that just didn't make it because it was kind of coming along the same lines of what we had already seen before. Because I think Michelle Wolf, she got mm-hmm. cut, didn't she, and a handful yeah. of others. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is that if you think about it, they've they've had an they've had like a, a it hasn't been like a huge like hockey stick moment. They've yeah. just been kind of steady Eddie and 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 been refining and improving. And I think that's probably been a, that's been beneficial. Plus, being on Showtime, you know, you can curse. Yes, <laughs> yes, you can, and mm-hmm. they do. Um, yeah. And you know, it's but they. I don't know, Sarah. I'm curious what what you think. To me, what has endeared me to them from like the first time I ever saw them is just they have this infectious kind of like you can't help but laugh with them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like because mm-hmm. it's it's like when you're around someone who's 
funny because they just tell jokes, but they don't laugh or whatever. Like, that's one thing. But these are, like, people, just them cracking each other up, mm-hmm. even though they barely ever break. Like, they just, like, keep feeding on each other. I think that's what people probably saw on Twitter. That's probably yeah. why it made such a good podcast. But I don't know. It's, like, there's nothing innately, like, incredible. I mean, no offense to them. It's not like any one of them is some kind of a superstar or something. It's just they're so kind of easy to like and easy mm-hmm. to follow because they just keep things, they keep the conversation moving in these ways that aren't, to Kamiko's point, like not predictable, not like this, okay. f- like late night is so formulaic and so like, you can just feel the writer room, right? On yeah. every late night. <laughs> you just be like, oh, did, did you hear about this one? You know? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. What do you think has been kind of their key? Well, I can't tell you enough how fun it was just to be in the room with them and just soaking up their energy because they are hilarious from the go. I spent most of the interview just laughing at everything that they had to say because it was just hilarious. And they riff off one another and there's so many twists and turns and they know each other so well that part of just their comedy is is working with one another and feeding off each other's energy. So that's really exciting to see both when you can get them alone for an interview and also on their late night show. And the show, if you've ever seen it, is, is really just them laughing with each other about, mm. you know, pop culture and what's going on in the news. I mean, there's n- nothing is written in, in terms of when they, you know, see the different clips of the different videos and comment on them. All of that is just done with them on the stage. They have some written segments that are, you know, scripted and performed, but everything that they do in that performance is completely off the cuff. So it's great to see how that relationship has materialized because it was only six years ago that they reconnected on Twitter and, and got wow. everything going. Do you think, do they have an, an idea of like where they want to take this because I got an opportunity to interview James Corden like early in his career and he's like well I want to be in America well there he is <laughs> I mean do you have a sense of what uh, what where they want to take all of this I mean I think that they are both two very creative people right and so they I think it's important for them to keep their projects really close to home right um, you know one of the interesting things they said in the interview that I did with them is that it's it's easy to get on TV but it's not easy to stay on TV absolutely so That's I think point. you know they're very conscious of how the formats are changing and you know what they're gonna need to do to make sure they keep their audience which as you mentioned is 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 crazed for them I mean, the Bodega Hive is is very much a big fan of these two. Um, is that the official title of them? Yeah, they call themselves the Bodega That's Hive. Funny. <laughs> I like that you. they even like literally yell out there, Bodega Hive, in the middle of your interview. Um, uh, but they are very on brand. Um, when they did our cover shoot, the the thing that they requested to eat for their food was um, bacon, cheese, and egg sandwiches from the nice. Bodega down the street. Nice. Um, Smash them down for me. <laughs> what, yeah, what you see on TV is completely what you get in the room with them. That's right. Yeah, That's and great. the uh, you know the banter. So let's listen to a little bit of the banter from when they when they were meeting with us uh, because I think that gives people the best sense of of what you know, what makes them so interesting and, and so successful. Let's listen to a little bit of that. Dr. Bronner, dilute, dilute, dilute. Three times, don't forget. Yo, do you want to wash your body and your shower at the same time? Oh, yeah. Use yo. your foot to clean the towel you know and the grout in there. Is your oven that self-cleaning? And you're like, you know yo, why is my skin peeling? You know why? Because it's pH balance 25. Ah, uh, 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 you feel me? You can do experiments with that shit, You clean bro. your car, you clean your door, you, know you know clean mean? your TV. You can kill the vermin in your house with it. You got barnacles on your boat, get them right off Right off that. that shit, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Dr. Bronner's. Ah, ah, ah. Also, that label, if you ever leave your phone, you gotta take the wild dump, you can read the label for at least two at hours. At least two hours, bro. There's mm-hmm. mad shit in there that I don't even know how to spell. So, you know, we could spend a lot of time talking about these, Mara. I think they're fascinating. I, I to, to Doug's point, I'm really 
just curious to see where they go next. And like, you know, they, they have this kind of, I mean, I think that it's easy to make a comparison, not that it's a sketch show, but like Key and Peele kind of had that same thing where they seem to come out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, like everyone, like people, they, they had a really tight fan base and then they're everywhere and they're in Hollywood, they're making Hollywood mm-hmm. movies. And I, I do hope, and I feel like they're, there's a path for them to go that route and, and Showtime is a hell of a launching point for that. Um, although I say launching point, it's like there's like their sixth right. job in six years of all it's like, oh, and then MTV and Viceland and all these other ones. But let's talk about some of the other celebrities uh, who made the list this year. Uh, this is kind of the most debated part. So I should I should mention that the Creative 100 is generated completely by us. You know, the people at this table plus a handful of other staffers, it, there's no nomination process. There's no formal thing. This is just us going through each year and saying who is fascinating. Now, that said, I also, you know, that a lot of us reach out to former Creative 100 honorees. We reach out to people we really admire. Um, the uh, You know, there's people we know who are specialists in certain or experts in certain niches that we talk to. So, I, I you know, I think it's a, it's a really good um, – it's a really good mix of, of nominations. But, man, the, the celebrities is where we end up, like, arguing the most every year because, of course, like, everyone's got an intense opinions about who's – you know, who in, the, in Hollywood is worth really celebrating right now. Uh, so let's talk about who some of those are. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, I feel like, was the most obvious choice this year in the sense that it has only been a year since he's been doing these – uh, aviation gen ads with Pokemon. What is the official name? Pokemon Detective Pikachu. I think yes, it's like Detective Pikachu. It's just like there's, <laughs> not even, there's not even a colon. It's just called like Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Anyway, the marketing he did for that, uh, which was obviously kind of inspired a bit by what he did with Deadpool uh, and how invested he was with that. Um, but he's done some some tremendously hilarious. Let, let's listen to from Detective Pikachu. My personal favorite was. Ryan Reynolds describing how he got into character, his method acting approach of, of becoming Pikachu. You know, this is a funny anecdote. I was, uh, I was on my way to pick up my daughters from school when I heard that I got the role. Well, I didn't show up at school because Detective Pikachu, he doesn't know who those two little girls are. Who are they? They're our daughters. He just, he just left them. He doesn't have a, a wife. No, he's a little yellow guy. Lives in Rhyme City in a, in a briar patch or something. You know, I immerse myself completely within the world of Pokemon. I read about him. I live at his height. I tried to lose 182 pounds to match his weight until doctors intervened. So he's brought this, this kind of a, you know, style, this very unique style of, of his own humor to, obviously to the movies he's been in, but also to Aviation Gin. Uh, which he supposedly owns. I have my doubts about whether he li- literally owns it because uh, it is owned by, uh, I think, called a company called Davos Brands. But I, he probably has an ownership stake in it. But basically, you know, there's this famous story about how he was ordering a Negroni while he was on, you know, shooting somewhere. And it was the best Negroni he'd ever had in his life. And he asked, like, what's this made with? And the bartender said, Aviation Gin out of Portland. Uh, and uh, he, next thing you know, he owns it. Uh, did aviation, like Doug, you were based in Portland. Did aviation mm-hmm. have a reputation before Ryan Reynolds came along? Yeah, they, they were considered kind of quirky. I mean, it was good, good product. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't like it wasn't like, oh my god, this is amazing. It was just like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and that's a very typical Portland thing where it's like there's a million distillers and, and everyone's just kind of like, okay, that's nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was, yeah, I mean, they, they were there, but not necessarily standing out, I guess. But now they do because of their owner. 
Kamiko, we should clarify that this has come up a few times on the podcast, that traditionally the Adweek newsroom was divided pretty evenly into two Team Ryans. There was uh, Ryan, Team Reynolds and Team Gosling. I was a hardcore Gosling Ugh. for years, and I stood the line. And then I have to admit, like, what's Gosling done? You know? Well, I, I he will been? give him. He's the most the best cinematic thing that we have seen. The what do you want from the notebook? I I just I can't. Yeah. <laughs> also, go. have you seen that him? Is like stuff, chef's kiss. <laughs> You're going back a ways. Is my point. Various SNL sketches. He's been extraordinary in as but well. But I have not seen anything since. I think he did a. I think he did a movie like the um where he tried to. He was like a bad guy, and I was just like, this is not working for me. I'm gonna let's take it back to the notebook. So yeah, I I have uh, not on the Gosling team here at Adweek. Uh, but you know, so so it was a pretty even split for a while, and then Gosling, like after La La Land, just kind of vanished. I forgot about La La Land. And, wow. uh, Guys, <laughs> there's La La Land. There's Blue Valentine. Oh, oh God. <laughs> He's a great actor. Blade Runner, Drive. Dri- Drive was great. Drive was wonderful. Oh. So my point is that for years I was like, oh, he's the legitimate talent. He's the real Ryan. And then, but the last year, man, it's been Ryan Reynolds' year. Also, are you on Team Gosling? Of course I am. I want a new seat. Maybe Ryan Gosling will buy a vodka company. <laughs> there you go. Take this to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Ryan Reynolds, I felt like, kind of was the easiest pick in the sense that he's exactly what we look for when we look for uh, – he's a – a, a, a creative who doesn't just isn't just good at their job. Like they're always looking for something else. They're always branching out. Um, we had the McElroy brothers, uh, who are podcasters, and my brother, my brother, and me, and have built that into a whole. That's a great, another great example of like they have crossed over into so many different things, and uh, so many people know them for different things. Um, there was a, some. Musician called Lizzo. I'm going to step Lizzo? out for 30 minutes so that Kamiko well, can talk about, <laughs> about Lizzo. Uh, no, I, I kid. Uh, t- but let's talk about Lizzo. Pulls out soapbox, stands on it. <laughs> um, I will give her her flowers while she's alive because that's an incredible artist, honestly. Um, just in terms of just like standing in her truth, um, she's very different. And then. Um, like, I've seen her being listed among the ranks of people. Like, like she steps into both places. Like, one minute she's R&B, the next minute she's pop, the next minute she's hip-hop. So, like, really, like, to be a, that versatile of an artist and not, like, commercialize yourself traditionally, um, I think is is incredible. Um, and then, like, her Instagram is the best thing that I've ever seen in my entire life, honestly. And she, you know, it's so funny to think that her, what was it, just this year, mm-hmm. right, that her, her major label debut yeah. uh, comes out. But it's her third album. Mm-hmm. And so, like, she already had yeah. such a such a foundation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just, like, the positivity of just, a, and just, she just feels like the most 2019 kind of musician yeah. you could have in terms of, like, mm-hmm. she hits everything that that is, like, in the moment and and feels so culturally relevant, but um, like a latter day Alicia Keys, like back when Alicia Keys started, it was kind of that same kind of feel where it's like the versatility was just absolutely incredible. Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah. Um, anything else? I f- I don't want to move away from Lizzo before you feel like you've gotten your. You got twenty nine minutes left. Your due investment. <laughs> <laughs> you just you can continue, Lizzo. Please. If you hear this right now, please know that I love you so so much. You're amazing. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm just I'm very happy that we she was included in our in our creative one hundred, which is everything that she's doing. Just being like such a different artist, in my opinion. So the accolades are 
never ending, and that makes me happy. I think musicians was the hardest category to trim. I, I think both uh, Kamiko and I both wanted Migos on here, um, but in the end, it was just there were so many. You know, there's there's ten slots for celebrities, um, and uh, and you know, so props to Lizzo that um, she really she was the one who hung on there easily uh, every time. I also had Billie Eilish, uh, the uh, what is she like seventeen, mm-hmm. um, and just what a phenomenon. And she's one of those like normally when there's a 16, 17 musical phenom coming up, I'm old enough that I can't listen to it, right? <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, the kids, they have their music. I yes. feel good for them. She's so good. She is. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not all, like, my thing, but the, that's fine. I don't think her, I don't think her stuff is all any one person's thing. Like, yeah. it's the range on it, the talent, the, the ownership she has in it for being so young. Non-fans might remember she did the soundtrack to the uh, Apple Christmas ad this past year, Share Your Gifts. Um, that was a custom track uh, she made uh, called, uh, I think, uh, Come Out and Play. And, uh, yeah, man, just uh, – and and I was talking to Apple's agency, uh, TBWA Media Arts Lab, and they said they've done a bunch of stuff with her. Like oh, wow. they love That's working cool. with her. Uh, and they, they were hugely excited to If I'm not that. mistaken, Instagram collaborated with her recently too for the new um, feature that they just rolled out with the lyrics. So that's been another oh, cool yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, other celebs. We've got Olivia Wilde. Uh, who I've always been a fan of as an actor, as an activist. Uh, she has a lot going on, but I am dying to see Booksmart. Same. Mm. I've I, so no one here has seen it yet, right? No. Right. Oh man, are we it's gonna like, go see it? I'm after a Sudeikis this? fan. Yeah, yeah I, I I like Olivia Wilde, but I like Sudeikis too. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. The I, every single thing I've heard about Booksmart is that it's just perfect. Mm. That it is just it is like check so many boxes and avoid so many cliches while embracing what makes it. It is one of these, for those who haven't heard about it, you know, it is that, and we can, we can all throw out our favorites in a minute, but this classic of like, you're graduating high school, there's going to be one last big party. <laughs> 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 and this time it's two, two friends, uh, women who are uh, enjoying like their last time before college uh, in LA. And I kind of love that format. There have been so many uh, movies uh, what's the what's the one with Jennifer Love Hewitt? Was that Can't Hardly oh, Wait? Oh, God. Come Man. On. Seriously? Everyone just blindly... Man. <laughs> you <know that>? you <laughs> just you just threw that one up into the Seth, scrum. Uh, I don't remember Seth that. Seth Green, come on. I, Our no. listeners, I guarantee you, will know what I mean. <laughs> I'm of a certain age, and I should know this. Yes, no, that was a classic. But yeah, like all those, every generation has like... Super bad. Th- I was just going to yeah. say, I think yeah, our generation probably super bad. bad. Yeah. 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 Who would be Ferris Bueller's Day Off? What generation would that be? Mine. Older? Mo- <laughs> yeah, older. Older. My, older. Uh, older. Well, what, what I never forget about Ferris Bueller is uh, a fr- uh, my my mom's friend took us to see it, and I was way too young. And, like, we were walking out of the theater, and her mom was like, my, my friend, you know, my mom's friend was like, I should not have taken you guys to that. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, I was like seven or something. <laughs> yeah, it's a little young. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've also got uh, Natasha Leone, who, of course, absolutely destroyed it in uh, Russian Doll. And I've always been a fan of hers, but she comes up like once every six years. She like resurfaces. <laughs> like, she's like a comet, you know? Yeah. And so I'm hoping this time she sticks around. That's my only thing. Is My only reluctance with putting her on this list was like, cool if she sticks around. Um, but it's like we put Britt Marling on here last year from uh, from the OA. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the writer yeah. and creator and uh, star of OA. Everything she does is amazing, but she like comes back around every three, four years and does something awesome and then disappears and goes off and, I don't know, does like bizarre stuff. Uh, although OA season two, I'm going to say pretty good. 
Really? Un- underappreciated. I started it. I haven't been able to finish. Get Maybe to the, I'll give it another chance. Get to the octopus. Okay. Sounds reasonable. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. There's a good octopus scene. Um, by good, let me clarify later. Okay. After you've seen it, after you've seen it, I may, I may uh, apropos of what? Qualify the word octopus. Um, okay. So uh, LeBron James, Sarah, mm-hmm. you're from Ohio. Yeah, LeBron means a lot to me. Um, he's from Northeast Ohio. I'm from Northeast Ohio. He's... So much in common already. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> That's We're basically practicing. it. That's it. It's all you need. Family friends. All good. Um, but no, he, you know, obviously he's so well celebrated for his athletic skills and prowess, but to be able to honor his creativity and how he's given back. Um, was really cool to include him in on this list because he's done so much work, especially in Akron, you know, his hometown. He's he created a school for for children who weren't doing well in, in the public school system. Um, so yeah, very very cool to include him on on this list. Yeah, I mean he's launching uh, you know a startup with Ladder, you know, partnering with what Schwarzenegger. And yeah. like, who are his partners on that? It's yeah. uh, like. Not Cindy Crawford, but it's someone else like that. It's like these – it's the weirdest mix of it is. mega it's a, celebrities. It's a strange mix. Like but, Lindsay Vaughn, I think. Yeah, yep. Good one. Um, but yeah, his reach is huge. And you know what I love about LeBron is no one is better justified in just like chilling and just enjoying their fabulous wealth and success like like, like Jordan did, honestly. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, show up every once in a while to do some Hanes ads and call it a day. Like LeBron's like <laughs> – like he has no – he doesn't have to be doing any of this. Yeah. Like, I think it says a lot about him. He doesn't have to start a business with with ladder to, uh, you know, to remain relevant. He has, a, you know, all of this is just showing that he is kind of the restless, you know, kind of creative spirit, and he wants to yeah. do more than just be one of the best basketball players of all time. And I think he's being, or his team has been really smart about which brands he's choosing to work with. I know that if I ever want a good cry at my desk, I can pull up the Nike ad about him coming home to Cleveland. I, like, I'm going to get emotional just thinking about it. It is just the best. But using his star power and his story and deciding which brands that would work best with has been really powerful to see, too. Well, Los Angeles is the perfect place for him at this point in his career, mm-hmm. I think, because there there is so much creativity there and so much opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, I don't. I mean, New York's obviously clearly awesome, but I, I just feel like L.A., like there's something there. Yeah, that, It's just different for him. Yeah. And as someone who was in Ohio when he left initially to go to Miami and— um, you, you were know, angry. Come. Were you angry? Oh, yeah. I mean, right. the jerseys, they were burning in the backyards. It was a nightmare. Riots in the but, streets. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, I think that just kind of speaks to his brand, that he was able to come back and give Cleveland what they wanted from him and then leave them in a good place to go to L.A. Yeah. It's yeah. a good story. No, it is. Uh, we've also, just to round out the celebrities list, we won't spend much more time on any of these. Uh, we've got Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle from Pen15 on Hulu, uh, which is awesome. They are both the creators and the stars of a show about, uh, I think it's 8th grade, 7th or 8th grade. Um, and uh, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, the director who has won every Oscar I think you can win at this point. Um, he's one we don't typically put directors in this in the celebrity category, but dude, like at some point he's just, so he wrote, directed, edited, and produced Roma. All of that? Yep. And he won an Oscar for, I think all of those things. Wow. Um, That's amazing. He, he won three Oscars. I want to say, including best director, uh, best film and best, uh, editing maybe. And then with gravity, like won seven Oscars for that. Mm-hmm. And I still have a very special place in my heart for Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm a big Harry Potter person, 
but because it actually made me a Harry Potter person. Because oh, wow. I Interesting. Watched, yeah, I watched the first two. I'm a little yeah, – I was a little old to, like, do the books. But I watched, like, the first two, and I was like, eh. I mean, it was Chris Columbus, you know, who's an okay director. But those movies aren't fantastic. And then especially the second one is, is pretty bad. And then three, man, is amazing. Uh, that is an incredible movie. And I still go back on my That's the one when my kids are like, let's watch Harry Potter. I'm like, we can watch Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> it is fantastic. And a lot of people have credited with saving the series that Alfonso yeah. oh, yeah? came in and was like, yeah, we'll keep some of this. But, like, we need to make this really feel like its own universe and that it's not just. That's cool. Uh, like he did little things like my favorite little details that. He did this uh, thing with the wardrobe where he told each kid to, like, customize their wardrobe. They were all wearing, like, the school uniforms, the Hogwarts uniforms. And he was like, just change it to match how you would dress or how you think this character would dress. So, like, the twins, right, the – what are they? The Weasley twins. They, like – I don't, I don't think they wear the uniform at all because, like, they're so such rebels, right? And then, and then Hermione wears it, like, very prim and proper. And then Ron wears it kind of slovenly. And, and they, they had never done that. Like, first two movies, everyone just wears the same thing. And the costume wasn't part of the the set. You know, it wasn't part of the show. Anyway, little things like that. You go back, watch two, and then watch three. You will see what I mean. Is there two. an octopus in that one as well? or There is, uh, obviously. <laughs> Just wait for that scene. It's a great scene. Uh, it's it's in the lake or whatever, right? Right. I feel like you're quit. Freshwater <laughs> fish-ish thing. It's like hanging out with my kids are always like, I'm going to quiz you about Harry Potter. I'm like, ugh. Thanks again to this week's sponsor, Pantheon. Websites are one of the most important brand assets. Whether you're building a new site for a client or managing multiple sites, Pantheon is your partner in success. More than 2,500 agencies trust Pantheon's web ops platform to power their clients' websites and deliver best-in-class digital experiences. Learn more at pantheon.io slash adweek. That's pantheon.io slash adweek. Okay, let's talk about a few other categories. Of <laughs> Creative 100, uh, we, you know, I'm just going to rattle off quite a few uh, who I think are, if not, a, you know, you may not know the people, but you certainly know the brands uh, under branded content. We had Beats by Dre, uh, which has really made a comeback in the last year or two. A lot of that's through Sam Bergen, who's their VP of uh, Global Brand Creative. Uh, that's a guy who's been everywhere. He ran Virtue, uh, Vice's agency, uh, or he was a creative chief over there. And uh, and he's done a lot, too, I think. Beats, like, what, seven years ago, Doug? Beats was, like, all anyone talked about. Say five, six years ago, uh, it was all, like, Beats and RGA, and we're doing all this award-winning stuff. And then they kind of went quiet. And yeah. You just didn't hear much from them last year's. Um, Refinery29, uh, the co-founders of that, uh, Pierre and Christine, uh, are b- both in there. Uh, we've got... Uh, See Fenty Beauty, uh, Nanette Wong, who is their director of global social and integrated marketing, uh, and Pablo Rocha. You're a fan of Pablo Rocha, right? Just recently, after Creative 100, yeah, scrolling through his Instagram, he, he was one like when I put out a call on Twitter, someone was like, "This guy, this guy," and I went and pulled it up. It's uh, Pablo R O C H A T. His Instagram, it's bonkers. Like uh, Kamika, what do you what do you dig about it? Um, I feel like, and this is. I feel like there's a lot of people who try to tap into the, like, Gen Z, like, a lot of people like consider themselves to be, like, Gen Z whispers um, for, like, marketing and whatnot. But I feel like, the, t- the like, this is, like, the epitome of, like, the Finstas and, like, whatnot. So I feel like, like, 
to cater to that audience, like this is this is what they look like. Like this is what it looks like. So I feel like that's very spot on. Like super interesting, very creative. And you have like a twerking Thomas the Train Engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wait, yep. a few of them. Yep, yep, yep. Took it Thomas, there. Thomas, <laughs> Thomas, working it. I wonder if the people who created Thomas knew that this was just like this is the route that we would that we would be on. Uh, hopefully they're dead. <laughs> they likely are. Uh, I believe uh, Sarah, you also wrote up Ben Kaufman, who's now the mm-hmm. CMO of BuzzFeed. But he's had a He's had a weird career. Like, yeah. I kind of, he was, what was he? He was, like, chief product officer, maybe, before CMO of right. BuzzFeed. Yeah. But, like, what? tell us a little bit about his his background. Cause what, what was his startup? I'm, I'm kind of blanking. Like, so, when he was in college, he started Mophie, which is that mobile um, yeah. phone charger. Yeah. Um, and then, after that, moved into, um, uh, started another business that outsourced creativity and kind of was like a think tank, but hosted online, like some sort of database. And then after that went to BuzzFeed. So he's just been a super innovative guy. I mean, has led their, um, you know, led their foray into products for under the tasty vertical. Um, it, it has just really helped BuzzFeed lean in th- even further into e-commerce and, and the physical world. Um, an interesting guy to talk to. You also wrote quite a few of our media. You know, we try to like not just do media in the sense of uh, here's a, you know, I don't know, a writer or a journalist or whatever. But who were were there any anyone from the media list that you wanted to call out there as just being kind of fascinating that you wrote up? Yeah, so two um, two people I would want to call Hillary Kerr and Catherine Power from Who What Where. Um, they were two former editors at Elle, and then they left and started this this brand. Um, and they've really done interesting things approaching it from the editorial perspective, but it has also worked with Target on releasing a lot of fashion lines, and they're looking to expand internationally this year. And then um, I also chatted with the co-founders of Pop-Up Magazine, um, which is a really interesting way to approach how you think about a magazine. And um, Kamiko and I actually just went and saw the performance here in New York. Um, but it's it's basically a general interest magazine come to life. And they have these different skits that are performed on stage. And they tend to follow the sort of subject materials that you would see in a magazine. There's a relationship column, um, you know, a little bit of international reporting, um, and, of course, there's a really interesting perspective on advertising. They integrate brands and the performances themselves. So, um, and, and they open it up, of course, and tell you to just turn off your phone and just relax and be there and be present um, and listen to the stories. And it's just a really kind of emotional evening, yeah. you know. I, I don't want to overstate it, but it's really – when you turn everything off and you just focus on what you're hearing, it's a powerful yeah. thing. I think we talk a lot, especially in this industry, talk a lot about like experiential and mm-hmm. activation and stuff like that. Yeah, this kind of taps into that um, very much. So I think there was even one part where somebody told a story about like the relationship that he had with his dad via cookies. And there was one part where they would like they gave you cookies when you walked in. You had to save it specifically for his story. And like when he got to the end of it, you got to tell he lets you he invites you to eat the cookie with him that he is just so um, into his favorite cookie. And it kind of gives you the sense of like, I don't know, it kind of like wraps it all together. So it's you're, you're, you're spot on there. Yeah, that's a great one. It's one I've not seen. I've not seen them in person, but I had so many people bring them up when we were putting this list together. Mm-hmm. And that's another again like a year ago, I don't even I don't know where they were, but no one mentioned them a year ago. And mm-hmm. then this year everybody mentioned them. Mm-hmm. And so I just those are always my favorite of like in the last year this this person, this publication, this thing has blown up. One that I put on here although I don't know much about um, about specifically about the founder uh, but is Mel, the men's magazine. Have you guys read that at all? It's an online men's publication. 
men's publications are the worst. Like, I know yeah. I don't have to tell you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, not that traditionally women's publications have always been stellar, but at least there's always been exceptions to the rule with women's publications. There's been Ms. There's been different ones like uh, Teen Vogue in the last few years. Yeah. Like, I do think Esquire was good for a little while. Um, but I, I think, like, typically men's magazines are all about conveying this you know, not intentionally toxic masculinity, but eh, six pack abs, six pack abs. It's just everything from their literature recommendations to their dress code, like of, everything. Just always conveyed this this smarmy, douchey kind of you know <laughs> manhood, and I I could never get into any of them, you know. And I was ostensibly for a while, at least, in their Target demo, and they were all just so lame. Mel M E L is this. It was started by Dollar Shave Club, which mm-hmm. cracks me up. Wow. <laughs> Diversity, diversify. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get that portfolio. Smart. And like, smart. They, uh, they're. It's amazing. And what's funny is the I see women sharing their articles more than I see men. Um, and I found them when they were when they were just starting out. And I connect. I, I read a few of their articles. I didn't know they were connected to Dollar Shave Club. Didn't know they were going to do anything. I was like, well, these are good. These are good articles. And I start reading them. And then to this day, like everything I come across from them uh, is just thoughtful and. It's it's just refreshing. I'm like, yeah, okay, you can be a men's publication and not just be sitting around being like, you know, here's the rules for how to roll up your sleeve or how to like why you should learn to split wood with an axe and in like the Hamptons. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. So that's one. Uh, also in I think in media as well, we had uh, Samin Nasrit from uh, the author of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Have any of you read or seen Salt, Fat, Acid? My sister is obsessed obsessed with the the things that she's been doing so i at some point will sit down and watch it it pops so up it pops up every time on the out like netflix algorithm i'll be like mid mcdonald's bite and it'll be like hey do you want to watch and i'm like i mean i guess <laughs> like mid mcdonald's i was about to say it's like kamiko your food opinions are trash trash do you like to watch the show and have good food opinions probably maybe she'll make me put sauce on my pasta you eat plain oh pasta <laughs> kamiko i don't know nice. why you just did that to yourself why it just we can't Butter? Uh, sometimes. She likes it real bland. <laughs> no, I did not no. see that coming. We've already mentioned on the podcast previously that you you have adopted Atlanta as your home. You cannot adopt Atlanta and then just eat plain pasta. bland trash. But plain anything. Not plain all. Yeah, I just don't like red sauce. Yeah. That includes ketchup. I'm so, so sorry, Sammy. Salt, fat, acid, heat. Is so so good. The book is amazing. The show is stunning, and I say that as someone who has watched like every food show, and they all kind of blur together. Uh, and I'm a real snob when it comes to cooking stuff. Yes, and, you are. That's a compliment, by the way. It it is so good. Her enthusiasm. So I was trying to find someone to write this one, right? Because we we assign these out to a bunch of different folks, but I never. I always want someone to write it who's interested in this person, in this thing. And so I was trying to find someone. I was like, yeah, totally. We're putting Samin Nasrud on here, and. Um, I was asking some people, and they're like, no, I don't know who that is. Oh, no, I haven't watched that show. And then I was talking to Shannon Miller, our, our freelance writer, who's incredible. And and I was talking to her on the phone, and I said, do you know Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat? And she goes, oh, my God. Is is Samin Nasrud on the list? And I was like, yeah. She goes, can I talk to her? And I was like, yeah, of course you can talk to her. And she's like, oh, my God. And, like, she did, and they had a great conversation. And uh, and it's it's awesome. And I, I loved her piece on that because she talks about how her – she feels uh, – Samin feels like her job, which she does incredibly effectively, is 
to take her joy for cooking and food. She began as a journalist. She did not begin as a chef, and then she ends up being a chef huh. at Chez Panisse, like one of the oh best restaurants on earth. And and then now she just travels around the world on this show, being like, "Let's watch how they make this stuff in Italy." And the uh, the episode on acid uh, is in the Yucatan in Mexico, and it's about salsa and it's about traditions, and it is. Just an amazing episode, but all four of them are so good. So watch the Netflix. Uh, You'd show. have a good cooking show. I think I'd watch a cooking show with you. Oh, that'll be my spinoff podcast. It'll be me and, <laughs> me and Kamika. Where I'm just cooking, and she and she's Eats just over there like, <laughs> like buttering bread. Right. Can you take the red sauce off of that? Thanks. <laughs> Um, okay, I wanted to talk about commercial directors real quick because normally this is like the most boring category for people who aren't deeply nerdy about advertising. But this year, they're really cool. And again, you may not know the names. You definitely know the ads and the stuff that they've been making. Uh, a few – I have to call out Kim Garrig. This is 2019, the year of Kim Garrig. This is the year of Kim Garrig. Uh, Kim Garrig created the um, – well, okay. Best known is probably uh, the Gillette, Gillette ad, the Gillette toxic, toxic masculinity yes. ad, which I don't think is her best work. I don't think as a as a as a video as a film is all that incredible. I think it's a bit flawed, but I I love that it started this conversation. Um, but then she did Dream Crazier, uh, which was the follow up to, of course, that Colin Kaepernick uh, N- Nike work was Dream Crazy. Then they followed it with Dream Crazier with uh, with Serena Williams, and it's I would say that's a better film than Dream Crazy was. Mm-hmm. Just less controversial maybe, but it's it's awesome. And then she did my favorite film of all of 2018 and definitely going to be one of the biggest award winners of the year, Viva La Vulva, which was just nothing but animated vulvas singing um, Take Your Praise uh, and Holy cow, just wait. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. We want to revisit it. But man, that's three, like most people would work their entire careers to get one like award-winning, big, big-time, big discussed ad, um, but we're 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 going into Can in a week. Uh, can Lines is starting in a week, and Kim Garrig's work is going to clean up. Similarly, we had Lance Accord who did Dream Crazy, uh, the other Nike spot, uh, and uh, Dan Lindsay and T.J. Martin are a pair of directors who work together. They've done a lot of great work, but they did the uh, the Truth Is Worth It ads for the New York Times with Droga Five, which is winning everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I certainly think we're going to be hearing. A, a lot about them. We also put on here maybe a little lesser known is Jason Harper, J.M. Harper, uh, who did uh, the video series for Bevel. Uh, it's just such great stuff. It's, it's like really well done. Bevel's yeah. marketing is obviously they are key toward black men and they have really found a tone that isn't just like, it's the razor for black men. Like they actually make content that is emotional and resonant and they did, uh, you, you know, they really have found a way to walk that. And I think he deserves a lot of the credit uh, for how they've walked that line. Uh, so that that's, we could spend all day on these. I do want to mention a few agency folks, uh, Doug, it uh, doesn't really matter. So we have three different lists of agency people within the Creative 100. We have senior agency leaders. We have rising agency stars. Mm-hmm. And then we have global agency leaders. Doug, who were some that uh, that you wanted to call out? Uh, well, you've got Harry B. Bernstein, uh, who's the chief creative officer at Havas, New York. He has a pretty interesting internship program. Um, it's it's one that is well-liked uh, among among interns. Uh, it's just a little unique where uh, he asked uh, he asked possible interns to provide a postcard 
as to why they would want to work there. Uh, there's actually more of a story behind it, which clearly I do not have up on my computer right now, but I would encourage you to, to read it if you get a chance. Amira Khadora from uh, Red & Co. in Portland, she helped lead Netflix Make Room, that great spot. Um, so she is on here as well. But the all-name team is Sean Dallas Kidd from JWT in San Francisco. I want to say, is he the one who made the those like AR wine yes, bottles? Yes, he did. Yes, like for you know, you guys know like Nineteen Crimes or um, yes, and where yeah, and like those, and he did a new series this past year of of those. That's just the cool shit because I've always said like AR is fine, but like when are you really going to use it? Mm-hmm. I've had so many normal like non advertising, uh, you know, like, actual humans tell me like, oh, dude, did you know you could hold up this thing to the night? And I'm like, <laughs> cool, you know, I'm like right. AR thing that like someone other than tech writers at Adweek care about, right, right. Uh, Justine Armour, ECD at 72 and Sunny. I, I really enjoyed the Cheerios Right on Tracks campaign that they had done, uh, something that, that I got a chance to, to write about. And it was interesting just hearing about the thinking and the thought process behind that and spreading positivity in the world. Um, I mean, Wit, your buddy Wit. Uh, Wit Heiler, yeah. yeah. So Wit's, uh, he does, um, did you see the ASMR horse video, like horse ASMR Lexington, yes. Kentucky. So yes. he does Lexington tourism. Uh, they did the uh, bourbon camouflage. Yes. Yep. <laughs> like, yes. like, it's all Whit Hyler. Like, dude's just, I always call him, like, the biggest weirdo in advertising. <laughs> and to me, that's, like, the highest praise. Like, every time yeah. he sends me something, it's always just like, hey, man, what do you think of this? And I'm like, I think you are the weirdest weird just but it's all it's all great yeah. stuff but like the bourbon uh camo was it, it was bourbon it like bourbon hunting is this big thing in in uh kentucky where you go and you try to find rare bottles on the shelves and so they made camo which makes it look like the the and it was literally like designed after the kroger and designed after the rite aid or whatever so it's like you blend into each of these specific places so that people can't see the bottles that you're <laughs> <laughs> but they did a horse asmr of just a horse eating apples and stuff <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they do this like every – his Christmas card last year, I want to say it was last year, he hired a private investigator to follow his family <laughs> and take pictures of them. And then they sent out the Christmas card in a manila manila envelope to people with just a bunch of photos of his family shipped in there. Oh I'm just like, who are you? And this is just <laughs> – Oh, my God. Uh, I'm just enjoying Kamiko's reaction to all of this. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like, there aren't many many people I could like tell you by name of of you know I could say like, oh, that's the guy who worked on that one campaign or whatever. But like, right. with, with, he works at a place called Team Cornette uh, in in Kentucky. Uh, they have a lot of lot of great folks there. But like, man, he's just he, he's on fire. I have a Christmas card idea for next year now. Thank you. <laughs> have, a, have a private I follow someone else's name right. me and my oddly shaped dog around right <laughs> oh your dog <laughs> send out <Yes>. pictures <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so on the global list uh, Levi Levi Slavin and Maria Devereaux from Colenso BBDO in uh, in Auckland New Zealand your, your favorite ad agency they're my buds a little like bit the, you have such a crush on Colenso BBDO well it, they have something coming out or they did they did had something that, that came out last year and it's called Kupu and so the idea behind it it's an app that where you point uh, you, you point, take a picture, and this app translates it into uh, into native Maori language. So the whole idea is to keep the the language alive, the native language in New Zealand alive. 
Uh, and it's gotten a lot of uptick. The government's really supported it. It's gotten a lot of attention and a lot of use. So People I, were raving about it at DNAD uh, when I was there a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. It was like one of the most beloved campaigns uh, from yep. that. They also did... Uh, They've done selfie sticks. Yeah, Kamiko would love selfie sticks. It was a little attachment that you put at the top of your phone that holds a dog treat. And that way your dog like looks at looks. the screen. <laughs> yeah. And because they were like, the case study is like, dogs are great, but they never cooperate with a selfie. And it's all these photos of people, the dogs are, like looking off to the My side. My dog purposely does not look. Like she sees me pull out the phone. She's like, nope, 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 nope. And so they literally created just this cheap little plastic thing that holds this one, it. this one like what is it? It's a, it's like a dental stick for dogs. Yeah. yeah, and it holds it, and the dog just stares at it, and like <laughs> the, no, it doesn't. The, the, the dog jumps at it, but I, they they sent me they sent me one, and we tried it with our dog, and that was a, just a bad idea. Uh, so. The uh, I, I will call out a few on the global list um, that Sergio Gordillo uh, from uh, the agency is called Africa. It's in Brazil. It's in Brazil. <laughs> it's one of those. That's one that I have to explain to it every time we, we reference them. Uh, but Africa did tag words last year. You, if you remember, it won a Grand Prix at Cannes. But it's one where they just ran words in print ads. And if you Google those words, you find pictures of celebrities drinking Budweiser. That was good. But their whole point was we can't afford to license pictures of Mick Jagger drinking Budweiser at a concert in 1969. And uh, so they just put in these words like Budweiser – Altamont, like some year, and you Google those things and you find a picture of someone. And that's so it was a, this Smart. kind of like uh, scavenger hunt almost, or, where they're like, well, we can't afford to do this. So we're just going to like create the, you know, the, the give you enough hints uh, to get going. Uh, we also had, uh, so I think my favorite, maybe obscure for Americans, uh, person who's on here, a woman named uh, Judy Tamdurong. I'm, I'm probably getting her last name uh, messed up, but she is from Bangkok. Uh, she is the CCO for Grey Thailand, uh, which is actually, I think, called like Grey NJ United. Um, but they did a, they did an ad that got a response at Cannes last year that I've never seen of just the entire award show at Cannes howling with laughter because no one had ever seen it, honestly. It was called Friendship. <laughs> and it is just about how hard it is to make friends. And and both that and then she did a follow-up uh, later. Uh, it's for a telecom company, I, I think, or, a, or I'm sorry, for a bank. It was a, a bank, yeah. yeah. A bank, a bank's like mobile app. But uh, And then the follow-up was about how, how much people hate it when their favorite apps are updated and they don't <laughs> like the, the new features. And so the, like, the second one was just all about like, <sighs> like, and so it plays on these things that she says are specific to Thai culture, but also somewhat universal. It's hard to make friends everywhere, but she's like, yeah, modern Thailand, like, it's just a pain in the butt doing some of these things. Uh, and friendship was just one of the most just purely enjoyable, weird. I encourage you look it up. It is just one of the weirdest long-form ads and is hilarious. You want it to be like an hour and a half long, like <laughs> like movie in the vein of Booksmart. Uh, and then we had, uh, let's see how my French does. Out of TBWA Paris, we have uh, Benjamin Marshall and Faustin Clavary, uh, who yeah. are <laughs> like Doug was a French minor, right? You can correct me if I screw things. That was perfect. Um, they are the ECDs at, at uh, TBWA Paris, uh, but they are knocking it out of the park with McDonald's work. Uh, everything they do for McDonald's is. Uh, is just awesome. It's usually kind of minimalist. That's their their. Uh -huh. And what's funny is they are the least minimalist dudes we've ever talked to. Like they're in a heavy metal band together. Oh. They like are in just 
nuts but in the great way like they are the kind of people you would almost be exhausted to be around just there's no Whit Heiler though yeah <laughs> they're not consummate weirdos um, but they uh, they did a we asked them okay of all the stuff you've done for McDonald's over the last year like which one are you most proud of and they and they mentioned this campaign called Rain and what yeah. it, it's a uh, it's a with the impressionist paintings yeah. yeah so what they did is they shot uh, scenes of Paris through windows with rain pouring down them and it looks like an impressionist painting and that and then it just says like delivery McDelivery available. I think it was like the McDel- or Uber might have been the Uber Eats yeah one. Uber yeah. Eats or something like that but it's just order McDonald's for delivery but there's all there's no copy like and that's the thing is they even said like you don't have to tell people like they know that when it's raining you want delivery the end and <laughs> no, it's that is gonna win a lot it can just because it is what whether it's effective or not, I'm not here to tell you. Whether creatives love it, I guarantee you. They're going to be like, oh, man, there's no copy. <laughs> Logo's real tiny. Great. And it's like a big old impressionist painting. Absolutely. Where do I hand the trophies to? <laughs> Same with the Kaepernick ad, though, if you think about it. Yeah. The the you know, the you know ad that launched the whole thing. It's Kaepernick, copy, swoosh, boom, yep. done. Yep. Yeah. There's um, your Grand Prix. Yeah, and uh, so and speaking of which, we will be back in a week uh, to talk about can predictions. So that's why we have not talked about can too much. Although this week's issue is technically our can issue, but we're going to reconvene uh, in a few days to talk about our predictions and what we think is going to do really well at the Can Lions this year. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're out of time. So Sarah, thank you again, and congratulations on it. one of I I should mention too one of my favorite covers we've ever done. The Dudes yeah. of America cover is so good. Thanks. And where did the logo come from this year, the Creative 100 logo? Yeah, actually, Mero tagged it for us, and it's all throughout the magazine. So you Amazing. just got to get it in print, you know? Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, But fantastic job. Kamiko, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Always happy to be here. All right, Doug, <laughs> uh, I will see you soon enough. Uh, yep. And I'll wait. All four of us are going to Cannes. Hey. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I just realized. Sarah like, and I, we bought hats today, yeah. so we're going to be very We're ready fancy. now. We're ready. <laughs> now I have everything I need. <laughs> have you changed your Twitter ID to be like, like Sarah, yeah, I'm going to can Journey. Like, I love no. all the people who've like, changed it to, I'm not going. Just I so PR. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I will be that petty, of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, our theme music is by Home. Uh, this week's episode was produced by Chris Ahrens with production assistance by Josh Rios and edited by Lane McGibney. Uh, you can reach out to us anytime at podcast at adweeks.com. We'll be back in a week, as I mentioned, to talk about canned predictions. And we'll talk to you then. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.